This call may be recorded or transcribed. Hello, my father. Uh, hi, Ernie. How are you, Mom? Doing good. It's been uh, two weeks since our last podcast. Yeah. Uh, now, tell me, which, which chapter are we on? <laughs> We're on the last chapter of part two. Okay, that's part 10? Chapter 10? I think so. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. It's okay. the, large, it's the yeah. last chapter. Yeah, the last ones were small, so this one was quite a bit longer. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so this <laughs> is the big showdown between Winton and Mr. Black. Yeah. Or, or I guess the the third or possibly fourth version of Mr. Black, it turns out. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> These things are confusing, yeah. So... Yeah, it gets more confusing as it goes along. Yeah, yeah. I guess because he, he, Mr. Black is actually in the body of I think it's Winkle, uh, which was the last surviving clone. Okay. So yeah, you want to go through the summary first? Yeah, um, do the backstory first. So just let me summarize yeah. the backstory. So uh, Angela okay. agrees that this um, hitman who revived in the twenty in the far future takes on a job to kill this guy, Siler. And when he gets there, he finds out that uh, he successfully appears to have killed Siler, but then an interstellar war appears to have destroyed most of humanity, except for those living in these shelters called the house, which are connected by teleportation tubes to many different planets around the solar system, around the universe. And so he decides that humanity needs to grow up and to do that, it needs adult supervision. And so he appoints mm. himself and later his clones as the guardians of humanity to help them evolve to a more humane state where we can live together without war and destroying ourselves. Yeah. And he does that. His process of moral evolution is sort of get rid of the antisocial, unhelpful aspects of the past. And so he does this uh, partial suicide where he uh, exiles his unwanted memories, what he calls, says, you know, killing Angelogen agreement. Yeah. And, uh, and then he creates this army of clones and they go off into the, the houses to help shape humanity. And for a hundred years or two, it works pretty well. But then somewhere along the way, this mysterious Mr. Black appears who uh, fights them and it tries to kill them. Eventually he gets killed. So it seems, um, and then sometime later, another uh, around that time, perhaps a clone mysteriously disappears from Wing Null, yeah. their their home base, their Sanctum Sanctorum. And then um, at the beginning of this story, uh, this uh, part two, these um, the the eighth generation of clones starts getting killed off by Mister Black. So one of them revives the sixth generation. Um, version, which is Winton, by and he's successful. By pulling a pin or yeah. something? But, but, yeah, right. So the, you, normally they put in a pin to do the partial suicide to evolve themselves. And uh, Lange, I think it is one of the characters, no, Engel or I think uh, yeah. whatever, one of the characters pulls in and gets taken over by Winton, the version six personality. Yeah. And then there's a lot of introspection as Winton uh, figures out, you know, how he stands with respect to his other clones. And then finally he meets Mr. Black, who appears to be trying to kill him, but he kills Mr. Black, only discover that Mr. Black is apparently part of the same clone family because 
his personality attempts to merge and take over Winton. Winton fights him off, but uh, Black takes over one of the other clones and kills the remaining two. So out of all the, right. the, the, the clones of Angelo De Negri, all that's left is Winton and Mr. Black. And Mr. Black holds, the, holds Wing Null, where Winkle was hanging out theoretically safe. And so now this is Winton's story to try and find and kill uh, the latest Mr. Black. No, no, no. Actually, in Chapter 9, he did find they, they, they fight each other. And, uh, okay, so, sorry, sorry. okay, so sorry, we, I, we didn't do Chapter 9 then. Okay, we haven't discussed Chapter did, 9. But, um, so maybe because, because we missed last week. The only thing, uh, only thing you didn't mention was this uh, Glenda. She's uh, coming in in the middle. Uh, I don't know how important she is, but, you know, she keeps showing up. And one time she's uh, trying to trap him by inviting him to come to that place. But then she saves him and uh, things like that. Okay, we can do chapter nine because it's two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah I think we were, so, I thought the so one was actually still... a chapter. I thought it was actually a part. So anyway, yeah, chapter nine. So the beginning okay. of, at the end of chapter eight, Winton kills Mr. Black's body. Uh, and then uh, realizes that, oh yeah, so the beginning of chapter nine is where Mr. Black uh, is revealed to be part of the Angelo family and fights Winton. No, man, no, to master no, no. no, I mean, let me no, no, the book. No, 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 no. See, uh, they go back to, uh, uh, Glenda comes and they both go to uh, Wing Null. Uh, because he, he realizes in chapter eight that Black has killed two of his people. Slow down. Slow down. The, the, the guys. Uh, let me yeah, the, the guys. I'm, uh, I'm losing. I'm, I'm losing versions here. So let's see. Where are we here? I actually was reading this last night, but I didn't keep track of what the. Yeah, see, okay. So sorry. So okay. Yeah, so I read. Okay. Okay. You're right. Okay. Sorry. You're right. Chapter eight was where. Um, he's traveling with Glenda. Yeah. See, and, and, and that's what we ended realizes, last time with. He realizes the other person has gone into uh, Wingnall and killed two of his people. He felt a machine. But he took over one of the clones and used that clone to kill the other two. Yeah, the two. Yeah, right. Out of the three, okay. he took over one of them and killed the other one. So, and they go through that little tube or whatever and reach Wingnall. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and they find that you know uh, the the klaxon is uh, wailing, but um, they go through that one room where uh, the bodies of Gene and Jenkins are there. Mm-hmm. So then he, he stops the uh, klaxon and um, uh, he takes her over there. And then um, basically what happens is they go to um, the big window and. I think Glenda says, yeah, I see something moving. So he thinks that guy has gone out. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to go after him, and then he asks her a favor. Basically, well, you back up. That, you, you missed, sorry, before you get there, the important is they go into the files room where they store all the pins of the previous versions. And he hmm. discovers that Mr. Black in the body of Winkle has pulled pins two, three, and four. Oh, okay, yeah, um, right, right. Maybe five. Yeah, so is that whatever? 
is that whatever version was before uh, Winton, which I think was Jordan and his predecessors, all of those pins have been pulled, which is profoundly disturbing to Winton because he's, you know, grown up thinking that, you know, the older versions of himself are, um, you know, more powerful personalities than himself. And that's why he doesn't want to pull them because he would be overwhelmed by them. But apparently Mr. Right. Black is able to pull those pins without uh, harm to his uh, purpose or personality. So when he does that, then he has all the other qualities then. Right. He has all he has all their memories and skills yeah. Uh, yeah. and and attitudes, but apparently right. he's still Mr. Black and wants to oppose, uh, you know, Winton's and the family's purpose of. Well, it's worth mentioning, like Glenda and her dad. Her dad was a brilliant scientist who was yeah. uh, believed that the humanity was being uh, sort of neutered by being forced to yeah. live in the house. Yeah, and, and made them unfit, and that the, in order to make them fit to survive in the house, it was making them unfit to survive in the larger world. Whereas right. Winton and his clan believe that no, only after you've been civilized can we be trusting you to let you out in the world. And so there's a difference of opinion, and li we later find that Mr. Black knew Glenda's father, um, and so Glenda is very much well, he uh, is. caught in the middle. Yeah. Somewhere it says. Okay, so um, okay, that's the river revealed later. Then, uh, but Glenda certainly oh. knew Mr. Black, and um, yeah, um, and so anyway, the uh, after Winton's then, yeah. successor so then, kind of uh, hmm. defamed him and he committed suicide. Okay, so they go. So yes, yeah, so, so so Mr. Black was in Wingnall, and Glenda and Mr. Winton go after him. And they get, and then yes, so you said you're going to point where Mr. Uh, where Winton asks Glenda a favor, right? And he says, "I'm going to go out when I come back. If I seem in any way altered or disturbed, get me the chair and lower the hood over my head." And then he wants and wants her to throw those switches, the entire row beginning on the left. Uh, what does that mean when you throw the switches? That means, are you, uh, again, doing the partial suicide thing? No. Well, no, because the most important thing is that she's supposed to pull pin one. So oh, yeah. Pull, the, pin that, uh, yeah. So wait, and uh, when the blue light comes on, pull this one pin all the way out of the board. Okay. Right, yeah. So the... Uh, um, yeah. And he says, then what happens? And she says, uh, he says, I don't know. But uh, that's the only thing that might occur. So then he goes out. And, yeah, and you know, what's interesting, he, he, agrees, he also says, he gives the promises. So, but, yeah. Right, and the other thing he says, I might not even look like myself. Right. And she goes, wait, so I'm supposed to just grab whoever shows up and trank them and stuff them in here? He goes, well, it'll be yeah. a version of me, and they'll definitely be confused. Yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, what if nobody yeah, comes yeah. back? He says, oh, "Go home and forget about it." But, yeah. Um, but then, um, how will I go? And he says, "There's a transport system and all that." But anyway, then uh, he goes out, and there's a long. He always describes all his fights, uh, you know, about three or four pages when he could have finished in two lines. But anyway, that's good. That's the way they write. So yeah. that's the way good writers write. So. So he, he dodges and goes there, and then 
he's got a gun the other guy's got a gun he has got a body armor he gets hit and the other guy gets hit and then both of them run out of bullets <laughs> and and then uh they both draw so they they both have knife now but well, I, i think they uh, i think wicked has the knife and the other guy steals it from him yeah um so i think he sees him and then he he i think uh i think he pulls his leg and then the the guy falls down and then anyway he takes his knife and basically kills Winter, right so mr black right so it ends with mr black um so this is just again something there yeah so uh, he he gets the bensole out of his jacket i make my thrust and he blocked it he he grabbed it tries it yeah. so it's interesting because the, the parallel is that you know when he um fought siler you know i think if i recall correctly they you know he, they all ran out of weapons and bullets but denegri had a stiletto and he pulled yeah. it out and was able to stab that was the last weapon he had so again siler yeah. his last you know purely manual uh weapon worked but against um himself you yeah. know mr black is able to grab him and yeah so the 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 you know, the, the ploy that worked against siler didn't work against himself He was right. able to uh, do that, yeah. but um, but the the uh, the the ending is um, um, bittersweet, apparently. So it's worth mentioning that uh, Winton's plan was to kill Mr. Black uh, from a distance, and yeah. then. Uh, brace himself to avoid Mr. Black taking over meshing with him and taking over right, right. and Winton had done that before uh successfully and so he had good reason to believe that he could kill Black and avoid the mesh and then he would win yeah and but he mentions that but you know Black could probably see that coming too and if right. that's the case why would Black um persevere uh but then of course we find out that black was probably planning to do the same thing right he wanted to kill winton and then presumably prevent winton from meshing with him so that um no one's quite sure what would happen then right because they never had sort of a soul fleeing and not be able to find a host that's kind of unexplored spiritual mm-hmm. territory here um but uh the last thing it says is that Winton uh you know is dying but Black does not look triumphant he looks yeah sort of uh, worried scared. and scared yeah he's totally scared so and that's where I we think uh, most of no I did read chapter 10 because I don't know which one ah, okay. says so I think we'll uh, we'll talk about it next week so, yeah but you know there's a, there's, there's, there's certainly a strong hint that Winton's yeah. going to uh be a, he, certainly black is worried that winton is going to mesh rather than just appear silently yeah. into the night yeah. yeah okay yeah so we have one more section in this chapter okay so yes yeah, so chapter nine. so it is a you know the big showdown between good and evil or at least between yeah. the protagonist and the antagonist 
and it is strangely yeah. inconclusive. Yeah, see, I mean, the way the premise is, you know, that guy's still part of them because of what he read on chapter 10. So either way, if this guy had won, he would have meshed with the other guy, and if he dies, he meshes with that guy. So, right, so... Right, and that's so they, exactly they become, what they all was, become one, I guess. Yeah, they, they, it all blurs together after a while. But what's interesting yeah. is that Winton did suspect that this would happen, right? Is that he what didn't he know told? for sure, but you know, he thought you know this might. Happen. That's, that's what he told Glenda, right? His only plan was, yeah, like if I come back, uh, I, I could easily be confused. Like there might be someone else, and yeah. So, and what's interesting to me hmm. is that, um. In some ways, I feel like Mr. Black is winning the argument, um, even though it's kind of cheating, argument? right? Because this is so the argument. What do you mean by argument? Mr. Bl- so the ar- so the argument, to the extent there is a logical argument between Mr. Black and Winton's faction, is that Bl- mm-hmm. uh, um, what what uh, Winton is claiming, like, hey, we have to civilize humanity, get rid of our worst impulses before we can be trusted with freedom. And Mr. Black is saying, no, you can't do that because if you get rid of that, you'll get rid of something essential about humanity that makes us resilient. And so Winton, uh, when, or I guess it was Kapaki, Koba, something like that, Paul, whatever. Pre-Winton, Cherub. Thank you, Cherub. Cherub, that was it, yeah. Uh, this uh, different spelling of Cherub, another word for angel. Yeah. Uh, that Cherub, his logic was he had to choose between the means they've been applying, which was always progressive elimination of, of the past, and right. the mission, which was right. to help humanity evolve. And so in order to help humanity, in order to, to preserve the ability to keep humanity evolving, he had to stop evolving and go in the opposite direction. So in some sense, um, Mr. Black was uh, you know, uh, proving that um, uh, you know, uh, Lange's uh, decision to remove those memories and use that sociality was a mistake. Now, arguably, it's only a mistake because there was this other uh, parallel clone that was doing similar, you know, doing nefarious things in the other direction. Yeah. But it, it does kind of uh, strengthen Mr. Black's argument that, you know, these parts of ourselves that we would like to get rid of, that we think of as embarrassing relics of the past, are actually necessary, and if we get rid of them, we lose our own future. We bury too much of the past. That that seems to be what Black Black is arguing, and uh, Winston's existence, the fact that he feels like uh, he has to make concessions in that direction in order to um, defeat Black. uh, This is one of the arguments people talk about, why do bad things happen to good people are why not why did god create evil because there's one bible verse i create good i create evil uh so you cannot have they have to be two sides of the same coin right that's the one of the explanations people give you cannot really have just one god mm-hmm. would create everybody really really good then they'll be basically they are like puppets um, yeah. So you need to I'm have, and, and that's basically the premise here too, right? That, that guy is saying you need to have the other aspect. Otherwise, you know, you don't get to yeah. choose what to do. 
Well, what's funny is that, like, even the labels good and evil, like, this is the kind of the perennial question of who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, um, you know, is that, well, you know, in some sense, they are the same guy. (laughs) And, you know, the, you know, and and he does things that, you know, the, the Winton branch does things that seem, you know, innocently good, like, you know, developing medical cures and inventing new forms of art and, you know, things like that. Those seem like, you know, unambiguously positive things. Um, but then they do a lot of stuff that is very much gray in terms of like secret assassinations and things like that in the past. And then, you know, the really horrific thing against Glenda's, I think it was Kendall Glenn, her yeah. father, the professor, where they basically do character assassination on him to discredit his ideas, which, right. you know, certainly in isolation seems like a horrifically cruel and vicious and underhanded act, but it's oh, but kind you know, of like even other other people. He says even lobotomized some other people or something, brainwashed them or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, he says you know that they're 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 well, they're, they're the way one of the ways they help humanity evolve is by doing psychological conditioning of the young. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And one could argue that all civilizations uh, do some version of that. Uh, you know, we may call it religion, we may call it education, but it is true that we are socialized into our society where we accept certain things as just sort of given and true and good. And it is uh, evil to deny those things. You're right. right. Uh, leaving religion aside, ideologies, like, you know, like uh, we're talking about um, uh, capitalism versus socialism type of thing, right? Even though we accuse them of uh, basically brainwashing people into socialism or communism, we do the same thing. Uh, We don't do it in a uh, violent way, but we do through means of education and uh, things like that, saying that our system is better than their system, right? Right, and the people who have been on the outside of that system have accused, you know, if you're in the 50s and 60s, you know, black people would say that, you know, the whole system was built on the exclusion and dehumanization of blacks, you know, right. uh, and that, you know, I think the, the, the reality is that society requires socialization, it requires saying these things are good and sort of unquestionably good. And these other things are wrong and unquestionably wrong. And, yeah. you know, you talk about... Uh, a lot about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, you know, like to have any sort of society, you kind of have to have some shared understanding of what is good and what is evil. And if you, and you know, you, you can have a lot of room for disagreement, but there are certain core things that if you don't buy that, then like, for example, in America, one of the religious beliefs is that uh, a belief in um, government of the people, by the people, for the people. Right? It's like the idea that, oh, there's some separate aristocratic caste who has the right to rule is unthinkable in America, even though it was the norm for the world right. 300 years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, the thing that was just sort of accepted as the way things were uh, is unthinkable to us now as the way we are now is unthinkable to them, them then. Right. And it's right. like, okay, well, clearly we think that we are better. But is that just because yeah. of us? Is that just because it works? Uh, is there some transcendent good? That you can use it and you know 
the reality is, is people, you know, uh, can understandably disagree. It's like, well, you know, we have things like martial law and we have, uh, you know, exceptions and corner cases and all these things. And it makes it hard. Yeah, but right, yeah. Yeah, and the interesting um, uh, challenge, and so the, the, to me, the, the best part of this chapter is where Winton is disturbed by the fact that Black was able to get away with uh, merging with two, three, and four, and maybe five. Right. Yeah, because like, that's the thing that Winton knew he could not handle. If he did that, he would certainly be blown away by those yeah. earlier, deeper versions of himself. Right. So there could be some trick going on. But there's also the possibility that Winton himself, that his earlier versions were less sure of himself and his cause than he thought they were. Right? Because it could be that in the process of getting from version two to, to Winton, they mm-hmm. sacrificed some of their doubts and uncertainty. So by Winton's place, he has this pure, unconquerable conviction what they are doing is the right thing. Like it is, it is literally just the defining nature of his being that is not even worth question. Right? This is the thing that makes um, you know, Winton Winton is that his whole life and existence, even more than his life and existence, uh, are yeah, see, the problem with that saying was what you said was Ernie, the way this guy writes a story, he's not Winton. See. He's, he's only part Winton. He's land. He's uh, even Angelo didn't agree to a portion right. or whatever. That's the, yeah. that's where the paradox comes in. Yeah. Yeah, but like whoever it is, like the the, the the it's like who's the good guy or you know, even even who is who is a yeah. uh, uh, yeah. but like the 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 character who's in the body of Paul Carab that was known as Paul Carab and has pulled the pin like and this comes out like people ask him who are you. Right, yeah. you keep saying, "Well, I'm myself, damn it," you know, and it's like, "Well, that's probably yeah. true," <laughs> right. but that doesn't answer the question they really wanted to know: Are you Carab? Are yeah. you Winton? He feels more Winton than Carab, and when he kills Mister Black, uh, he says, "Who could kill? Me? Who was it?" He goes, "Winton." He goes, "I knew it was you. None of these younger cream puffs could have yeah, done that." Uh, can I digress a little bit? Sure. Can I, can I digress? Because you know. We talk about it, right? We, we inherit some other characteristics from our ancestors. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, when uh, Lily and uh, Sophie were here, uh, we were talking about her knee injury and uh, talking about it. Well, and I mentioned to Sophie, didn't you have a knee problem? She said, yeah, I had a knee problem. So did Hannah. So I said, okay, I take credit for all of that. <laughs> you got it from me. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, yeah, we, we talk, do we that, talk about right? the Ati gene a lot too, right? Huh? In fact, there's even a the Ati gene, right? And there's even a phrase. I don't know if you've heard this. There's a figure of speech saying, "Oh, they came by it honestly." Like when someone misbehaves or does something, they say, "Oh well, they came honestly," meaning that their ancestors, yeah. Various hairstyle and Vivian's hairstyle, you know. They had, like, they came by, honestly, they didn't have any hair. So, anyway. the, the genes, yeah, but, but not just genetics, but other personality traits. People say, well, you know, of course he's going to be, like, when Rowan starts, you know, making math jokes, it's like, okay, well, he came by that honestly. Yeah, right. right. That, you, know, you, you can't, 
blame him for that. That's what he got from his ancestors. You know, it, 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 it passed so, right I mean, through. That's what this guy's hinting in some ways. You know, I mean, in some ways he's hinting that, you know. Right, some well, of yeah. Some characters and, and, he inherited. Basically, he, uh, he meshed it, but basically inherited. And it is true, right? You know, I mean, uh, some of our ancestors gave up a lot of their bad qualities. For example, the caste. Our, uh, my... Right. My great grandfather, everybody was known as Yamal Pulai, uh, Edward Pulai, Manahawalam Pulai. But my father's uh, generation, they dropped off the caste. They know it was a bad thing. They don't, uh, they, they, they still married within the caste, but at least a, a namesake, they didn't, they dropped the surname. Pulai. But you know, it's funny. Whatever, you know, so, let's, so let's talk about that because I think that's interesting, right? Is that, so we live in a, you know, even if we have more or less conservative versions of it, a, 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 a society defined by progress, right? Mm. Is that everything we assume that we, we expect things to be better tomorrow than they are today. Right. That's just, you know, at least most things or many things or perhaps the important things. And, you know, for most of human civilization, that was inconceivable, right? The default assumption was that tomorrow would be like today. Oh yeah, and that my right, children's exactly. life would be like my parents' life, yeah, and right. that was a very robust assumption. But yeah, you yeah. Know, I, mean, I, I probably told you. I probably told you. I I grew. I I never thought I'll come. I, mean, I I thought I'll grow up in Parangote, probably practice medicine in Parangote. I want to be buried in the Samadhanaburam Cemetery uh, along with my mm-hmm. ancestors. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Even and even my like, but you know. Uh, you know, as you know, I married someone from a neighboring state, and yeah. I was talking to people, you know, before I got married, or you know, maybe five, five, three years before, someone who was a chameleon married someone from Kerala, and it was a big scandal in the family that they would marry outside yeah. the language group. So there was part of their group identity. Was, <laughs> what is the language group? I'm from your cast. Your cast is a big well, scandal. And that's the thing is, is that funny? Is like I'm sure they like our family, the great grandparents or whatever, gave up. The Pelai designation. They said, "Okay, well, you know, look, this cultural form that we have now is uh, not really important for the world we're creating in the future, so we can let that go aside." But they might have been horrified to realize that their doing that led directly to their children marrying across, you know, uh, state and language boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that uh, you, know, it, you know, like for example. You know, I think I, I probably told you this, uh, Ernie, that when mm-hmm. we went to fix up the biryani guy for Larry's wedding, mm-hmm. right? And uh, when yeah. we talked to the guy, you know, he agreed to give us a biryani, but then our mom showed the picture of the couple. <laughs> and do you remember what the guy said? Couldn't you find an no. Indian, madam? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was, and we're talking about, yeah. you know, 2000. <laughs> and so this is where good and evil becomes murkier, right? Because, like, Winton is absolutely convinced about the rightness of his cause, the evolution of human race, mm. and he's also convinced about the rightness of the process that they are going through. Right. To, but then the, those same characteristics led to two generations later, or you know, Slam Senior, um, uh, um, you know, doing this horrific character assassination on Kendall Glenn, right. which Winton right. feels was deeply wrong. And, and this right, is yeah, like two, wrong, yeah. we say two wrongs don't make a right, but sometimes two rights make a wrong, right? Is that two things that you think are good and true, if carried far enough, lead to things that you consider horrible. Oh, and, 
you know, Winton does, is not reflective enough to question any of his assumptions. He internalizes and says, well, I have a debt of honor to Glenda because of this thing we did. And mm -hmm. he says, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't have handled it that way. But, you know, given the circumstances, it is not clear how he could have handled it any better without either giving up the process they're using of, you know, hiding in the shadows or giving yeah. up the mission of ensuring humanity evolves this way. Right. And this is the problem. Well, a wonderful phrase. <laughs> we, we go back to the third way. <laughs> it's really interesting, it's, right? It's is that, not one or two. Right? There's always a third way. They could have. But yeah, but here's the problem, the right? Is that, yeah, we were talking about this because there's, um, uh, the problem is, is that when life is binary, you can make quick decisions uh, fairly fast. Right. Yeah. Uh, the challenge is is that once you uh, give up that easy binary choice, you suddenly have an infinite number of choices. I don't have to decide between these two options now. I can wait a little bit. I can wait a lot. And what we found was that actually the sort of more humane, civilized versions of Angelo, the version eight crowd, they were all paralyzed by their fear and uncertainty is that they had become so civilized that they were basically helpless against Mr. Black's methodical, purposeful attacks. And interestingly, that was also the Siler um, challenge. You still with me, Dad? Yeah, yeah. Dad? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Is, is that Siler was like so aware of all the possibilities and cared deeply about uh -huh. the horror that humanity was entering with the national war, but he could not bring himself to act because he saw too many choices and there's this you know you know painful trade-off between decisiveness and devotion to one ideal and open-mindedness and willing to consider on sides of the problems and mm. the um you know it's a um, the family decided to eliminate right yeah and the um, but, but interestingly you see you know one, one, one could argue that as, um, you know, is that when you combine, and what's interesting is that the, the descendants of it are sort of single-minded in their um, commitment to the family's mission, but mm -hmm. because their ability, uh, their ability seemed to, uh, the grade is the right word, but yeah, I think so, is that even if they have that, that single-mindedness of purpose, they don't have that single-mindedness of ability. Right, they can't focus in on just this one thing at hand. They're too mm -hmm. aware of their own emotional reactions and, yeah. and these things. You know, um, like it's hard to imagine Winton ever playing the clarinet, right? He just feels like he's, you know, um, like a Batman character. That if he has a civilian disguise, it's, it's civilian identity. It's a disguise. In reality, yeah. he's Batman, just pretending to be Bruce Wayne. Whereas Crab, you got the sense that he actually was a clarinet player or whatever, yeah. or Angle, whichever one it was, who was like his daily, and then he would occasionally have to put on a costume and go do, you know, superhero, supervillain type thing. But he could live a mm -hmm. full and interesting life outside of that. He wasn't as obsessive and monomaniacal and hair trigger the way Winton, Winton you know, comes across. Yeah. And it's a um, interesting thing. The, the, the other thing that's fascinating is that, I really, I, I really read through the, the chapter nine, I guess, well, I didn't count the number well, but I read through it last night, the whole thing, because I had some time. And I noticed that, you know, 
if Winston was really worried, mm. um, he could have pulled pin one ahead of time, right? In some sense, he could have gotten the jump on Winton and merged with Angelo De Negri so that even if Mr. Black took him over, then he wouldn't have to rely on Glenda to pull the pin. Um, he could make sure that, uh, you know, he could trust or at least hope. But he certainly seems to believe that the Angelo persona could assimilate whatever was in Mr. Black rather than vice versa and reduce his confusion. Um, so, but so, he doesn't so he knows yeah, he knows for sure that Mr. Black is that uh, clone, so he is part of their genetic makeup or whatever you can call it. Right. And so maybe we should ask uh, you know, Roger Zelesny, uh, why didn't he pull the pin, uh, pin number one, when he was going, even uh, when he's going out to fight that guy, he may need Angelo De Negri's persona to fight yeah. that guy because you know, he was the uh, attacker. Right, and, and here's the thing, right? Is that like, I think you know, it, it is, it, it, uh, it, it would have been logical from a certain point of view, but not from Winton's point of view, right? Because Winton, Winton to pull Angela Negri is basically like Carrasco pulling Winton. It's basically giving up, right? Saying I'm going to punt and like let somebody else handle it. Like I'm going to go right into Daddy and ask him to take care of the problem, if you will. Mm. After which you cease to exist. And I think he has both an emotional aversion to, uh, you know, surrendering his autonomy. Mm. I think there's probably also some uncertainty. He's not sure what would happen. And it's like, it's such a crazy, dangerous risk that mm. you only want to do it if it's really necessary, if you like are faced with a state of complete uncertainty and incapacity. And there's probably also sort of a, the fact that, you know, for generations it was drilled into him that you don't do this. And like, it wasn't just the pin was just put in, it was soldered in place, right? There was sort of an extra, you know, strong statement made is like, look, whatever you do, you know, the rule yeah. was you can pull any of the other pins in Moment of Need, but not the first one. Right. So he had to do sort of a double taboo violation uh, mm. that he only wanted to do at the last moment. And, you know, this is. Um, and, you know, I can, it, it, it is plausible in, in, in this context, right? Because you can see how, uh, you know, everything that they've been doing has been trying to run away from being Angelo De Negri, right? All yeah. the worst parts of him, right? And to be forced yeah. to go back to that is kind of humiliating, mm. in a sense. And um, he only goes there when he feels like every other option has been exhausted. But to his credit, he doesn't just, you know, uh, give up, right? He doesn't say, well, if I die, I die. I'm not going to worry about it. He goes, well, no, I have to be willing to face the ugly truth that I might fail, mm -hmm. uh, that black might kill me, or that I might not be able, and even more seriously, that I won't be able to prevent the mesh. Um, and so he no, had to yeah, have yeah, enough yeah. humility. Uh, I don't understand why he says that when you come back and you put me under the hood and uh, pull basically pull pin one, well, basically mm -hmm. what he's saying is I come back wounded or something. Yeah, but we'll come back cannot... confused, right? With... Yeah. So... He, he mean, he, he, it, it'll be, trust me, it'll be me, but I may not be myself. So he right? thinks That's that he might the... lose? Uh, the other guy may come so, in? He thinks he may, he may lose yeah, and the other yeah, guy may come like, in? The only, reason, the only reason he would say that is like mm. the two scenarios, 
One is that uh, there's two scenarios where he needs help. One is where he kills Black and doesn't uh, avoid the mesh. The other is where Black killed Tim and doesn't avoid the mesh, mm. right? Because they're the only two clones left. And that's yeah. he, 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 he um, you know, there, there are two other possibilities. Well, there's three possibilities. One is that nobody comes back and she's just gonna, you know, story yeah. ends, no one knows what yeah. happened. That would be sad. Uh, the other possibility is that one of them kills the other soon enough that they're strong enough to withstand the mesh. Right, if one of them's in full health, oh, I don't know. Can, can they withstand the mesh? Can they withstand the I mesh? Know. I don't think uh, they. Well, they, they, they were able to temporarily withstand the mesh, right? So that Winston was able to, when Winston killed uh, Mr. Black at the end of chapter seven, he mm. found Mr. Black trying to mesh with him, and he was able mm. to to repulse him, right? Oh, uh, but okay. Winston was not. Yeah. Okay, okay. yeah. So that was the whole point. Of, yeah, because, that's yeah, how, because that's how uh, Mr. Black got into Wing Nine, right? Right. Uh, most of the time, he meshed only when his people died, because at the same time they were killing the other people off. Uh, they didn't. Okay, yeah, okay. But, but, right. but there was something there about how you could also. So when the nexus passes, you know, there's two types of meshes. There's the one where the nexus passes from one person to the other. Um, yeah. uh, well, there's actually there's two kinds of meshing. There's the sort of the hey, let's go have a group mind meld where we share all of our yeah. data and facts so far. And then there's the thing that happens, the, sort of the terminal mesh when one of us dies, especially when yeah. it's a nexus. Uh, right. The word nexus being is coming up in Marvel in uh, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe oh, for the Scarlet Witch and things okay. like that. So it's, it's kind of trendy on YouTube right now. But anyway, uh, oh, the okay. nexus identities are, uh, but I think the, the, so the point is, is that it is possible, because he, he says this in chapter nine, right? My goal is to kill him and then resist the mesh so he doesn't take oh, over. Oh, I see. Okay. That's the whole point. He's hoping that he can get the benefits of killing his enemy's body without mm. the downside of being invaded by the enemy's soul. So, and then, but, but he does want to go back to Angelo. Then he says, when I come back like that, you If he's confused, because like, right, so, so he, 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 like, presumably if he comes back, if, he, if, if either of them succeeded, and managed to resist the mesh and the ghost went off, you know, to wander the trackless waste, then he could go ahead and tell Glenda, hey, it's fine. It's just me. Um, I'm not confused or anything. Ignore my last warning. And if he doesn't appear confused or disturbed, then, you know, she would probably let him be. Um, okay. Oh, I see. Okay. So, you know, but he was not certain that that would happen. And therefore he yeah. went through all this after he had enough humility to realize that he might not be able to pull off what he wanted to pull off. Okay. And he wanted to feel like that there was, um, so there was something that was unthinkable, but conceivable that could be done in that state. And therefore, and he was willing to do it uh, okay. to, you know, uncover the last taboo in mm. order to uh, find some way to move forward, you know, okay. um, yeah, and you know what happens in the next chapter, so you know what kind of weird state he ends up in. Yeah, yeah, we have, but uh, you know, it needs some <laughs> explanations too. It's all, yeah, you know, so you, yeah, so like you said, you know a little bit what's going to happen next, but it doesn't, yeah. it gives you some more context, but it doesn't actually make what's happening now any really, really that much clearer, does it? <laughs> right, right, no, it doesn't. No, yeah, so that's what I was oh, saying, okay. like, and advantage okay. of reading ahead, but it doesn't actually help as much as you might think in terms of resolving the hard questions. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Uh, and okay, but it's funny. It, 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 as a side note, you and I have been talking about you know the therapy and counseling I've been going under. And one of the things you said is that you want me to be whole again. Mm. I don't know if you remember yeah. saying that. But it's like yeah. that and you know we'll talk more about that some other time. But you know this is the attention that Winton lives with, in that he kind of has lived at least in what life he has lived. His concept of holiness, of being mm. a good guy, becoming a better person, mm. is the opposite of wholeness. His definition is, I think he says that somewhere, I'm committed to this program of getting rid of the negative parts of humanity so that we can live together as pro-social beings. Mm. And he sort of, uh, it is an interesting paradox or conflict. Um, mm. And, it, you know, is, whether, is, it, is it possible to become whole, holy by getting rid of the stuff that isn't? Yeah. As another... another uh, uh, cultural trope is the Loki TV series that was just on here, and yeah. the one of the, the lines of the Loki character who pops up in all these timelines and sort of messes with reality. They say, "Well, mm. the, the one of the characters, I think Sylvie says, the universe wants to be, wants to be free. It wants to. It doesn't like static order, and so it manifests chaos in people like us. Uh, is that mm. there is a and what's, one of the shocking things I discovered." was that, you know, I always grew up on the idea of law and order as sort of synonymous with civilization and society right. and healthiness. But the word order was actually invented by Benedictine monks. Really? Yes. It was the word originally meant weaving. Yeah, because they call them the Benedictine order. Yeah, they talk about the order. Yeah. Right. right. And, and they invented the word order. Hmm. And that later became synonymous with structure and civilization. But that wasn't oh. the original meaning. The original meaning was oh, very see. much this very autocratic, you know, highly regulated, uh, some would say mm. oppressively structured society, which, you know, to their credit, like um, Angelo Denegri, it imposed this drastic order on things which helped them survive the fall of civilization. Right? The Benedictine monastery mm. maintained culture and history and language and religion when literally yeah. the world was falling apart around them. And because they had this very, very rigid, strong internal structure, they were able to endure amidst the chaos outside of them. And yeah, who knows? Things, if, I think if not for Martin Luther, it would have continued like that. Well, I mean, clearly things were cracking up eventually, right? The, the Renaissance had already occurred even before the Reformation. Um, but it, it, it seems like um, something would have given way one way or the other. Right, either uh, a Martin Luther would come around to cause reformation and split the church, or the church would become so corrupt that it just fell apart on its own. Yeah, Roman Empire. Yeah, you know, and the, um, um, you know, it, it is um, easy to celebrate Martin Luther. It's easy to demon. It's it's not that hard to demonize Martin Luther. <laughs> if you're a Catholic or you don't want to blame him for Nazi Germany. But the, the reality is, you know, it's hard to imagine, you know, you know, like, like one of the what if scenarios, like could he have been like St. Francis and made the Pope repent by a, a pure example of personal piety mm -hmm. uh, the way it's in, you know, you know, and it seems like, well, it kind of feels like the church had gotten so decadent and, 
uh, enmeshed in all these financial and political schemes that were necessary for its survival, that there was no way they were going to accept Luther's reforms because it would have been the death of them, right? For the, for the Catholic Church to have embraced Luther's reforms, it's kind of like Winton or Land Senior accepting Kendall Glynn. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I can see you're a good guy, but yeah. like I have this mission and this mm-hmm. is a totality yeah. mission that I've inherited for you know, hundreds of years. Like I cannot let my personal scruples or my respect for you as an individual stand in the way of, and it's interesting, what I read is that actually originally the church was willing to dialogue with Martin Luther at, at the local level, but it kind of went up to the Supreme Court of Rome they kind of said, no, right. we can't do this. We do this, it'll uncut everything we've, we've built right. and everything right. we need to stay in power. Uh, and if we do that, it'll unleash chaos. And in retrospect, they were right. I mean, the, the, what they call the 30 Years' War is, I think, one of the more horrific episodes mm-hmm. of fratricidal violence in human history. Um, someone once described it, it wasn't, at the time, it didn't seem so much like a war, but just a series of, of atrocities being committed against other people. Right? right. And, you know, it, you know, and, you know, the... And, and like, you know, if, if you had been the Pope at that time and you realized letting this Martin Luther guy go free would lead to the 30 years war and World War One and World War Two, you know, you know, you can imagine him saying, you know, hey, better for one man to perish than for civilization no, you're, you're to disintegrate. There. I, I think you're, 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 you are making too much, of, too much of a conclusion there. I don't think so. But that will be a topic for another day because you're blaming. Uh, even World War One, yeah. <laughs> Martin Luther. I don't agree with that, but uh, well, so, so, and, sorry, and sorry, also we are missing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. To be clear, Dad, I'm not saying it would have been fair, right? So, like I said, if this Pope had seen all the negative things that would flow out of nationalism, right? Because that's arguably the movement, German nationalism, that because before the the technical. Uh, uh, the the uh, historical watermark is called the Treaty of Westphalia. So before uh, the Reformation, there was the Catholic Church, and there were just lots of individual duchies and you know counts and regions and the Holy Roman Emperor and things like that. There wasn't the concept of a nation state like we have today. It was mostly city states, frankly, and a bunch of federations of of different states. And what happened with German Luther, with Martin Luther and Gutenberg's press, and eventually Bismarck you know, this idea of nationalism. And nationalism allowed war at a much more uh, total level than had ever been seen before. I don't know about that, Ernie. I think we should talk about that some other time. I, I, I don't okay. agree with you, but we are, we are going in a different direction. But I would make a, a weaker point. If the Pope had been, and he had just been given a, a limited, but narrow vision. This is the thing, right? We talk about all these, you know, cultural truths we inherit, right? And these things that are unthinkable and these convictions that are passed down from our ancestors that we just assume are true. And, you know, uh, 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 the thing I find fascinating about this story is that you look at the character like Lange, who does this horrific character assassination of... Uh, Kendall Glynn, and yeah. you say, well, you know, how can he justify such a thing? And it's like, well, he saw, he has m- memories, whatever, of these horrible interstellar wars that appeared to destroy the human race, and he convinced that this was the only way to stop it. 
and he had sort of lost the ability to doubt the rightness of his cause. And what I want to be able to say is that, like, I can understand why someone would make that choice. I can disagree with it. I can critique it. But it's not easy to understand the opposite. And I look back on, like, this is an incredibly generous reading of the Pope and the Catholic Church. No question about it. But if they, looking at, if you just drew a line to all the negative things that happened and ignored all the positive things that happened, you can see why a reasonable human being might say, I'm going to, you know, do this unfair thing to this one man because I'm trying to prevent this horrible future that I can. This is called justification, Ernie. You're trying to justify what you did. Yeah. But uh, I think let's not talk about that now. I, I, I don't agree with your premise. You're, you're really extrapolating quite a bit. But. Now, that's uh, interesting, that's, Dad. That's the point. So that's yeah. fascinating because the reason I do this is I want to understand my enemies and the challenges they face rather than simply demonizing them. Well, it's not a question of demonizing them, but everybody who does something like this, they justify it by saying all these things. Everybody. Well, yes. Not just and, the, and so, the, right. So that, this is the point. With Dewey, uh, with educational reforms, or whatever yes. it is, uh, Abraham Lincoln, with uh, uh, this, he, he did a lot of things that he justifies. So, yeah, what you're saying is true in one way, uh, but that doesn't make it right. You seem to say because if he had known that he wouldn't have done it, that's not excusing him. No, it's, no, it's, it's quite the opposite, Dad. Um, and this is why I'm curious what you're reacting to. Like, I am mm. not trying to justify him. I no, no, say, I'm not saying say, you are, but, but you're saying that guy is justifying it because he didn't know this was going to happen. If he had known that he would have done it, that's what you said. No, that's exactly the opposite of what I said, Dad. That so is if, precisely the opposite the of what I said. Because you said, if the Pope had known that this is going to go like this. Didn't you say if that? The Pope had, no, what I said was, is that if he had known that mm. letting Martin Luther loose to do his own mm. thing would have led to all these things, that might have mm. justified in his own mind the attempts to destroy Martin Luther. And what's ironic, of course, is all these things happened despite his attempts to destroy Martin Luther. And one could even make a case that they happened because of his attempts to destroy Martin Luther. Um, the... Um, the, interest, the reason this is interesting to me in this story is that I always grew up thinking of Martin Luther as the good guy, right? Who stood for truth and righteousness and ushered in an era of peace and prosperity and freedom and innovation. And that was kind of the myth I grew up with. All right. And it was only much later and something's quite recently that I discovered that, you know, he both indirectly and directly did some pretty horrible things that had pretty horrific consequences. And it made me think, okay, if Martin Luther wasn't entirely a saint, then maybe his enemies weren't entirely demons. It goes to my point. I told you from the beginning from this book, nobody is 100% good, 100% bad. Remember? Right, but the, yes, I know. We talked about and so, who's a good guy, who's a bad guy. I said, I said yeah, because everybody is a combination of that. It's only a question of degrees. Nobody is 100% saint, 100% devil. Everybody, right? It's all, it's all the, uh, the percentages. Right. Like even the, a very well, bad but, guy has good qualities. We talked about that. Even the, well, but yeah, but the, even uh, we talked about that. Right? The, the, the Godfather loves his grandchildren like I love my grandchildren. 
Right. So this is again where we disagree, Father. Right? Uh, mm. Is that is that just like no person is 100% good or 100% bad? I also believe that no quality is 100% good or 100% bad. No, no, I don't agree with that. We are going, going right. way off the mark now. We are going. All Why way is off. that? Well, what? But the, what do you mean? How is that way off the mark? I mean, we can say you disagree with that. But why do you sort of disallow no my right to say it? No quality is good. How about, what do you mean by no quality is good? Explain that to me. Uh, love no of country, is that good or bad? Huh? Is love of country a good quality or a bad quality? It's a good quality. Okay. Um, so if I'm a German uh, living under Hitler, is love of country a good quality or a bad quality? See, love of country means what do you mean by love of country? We have to answer exactly. That yes. Yeah. And that, that is precisely the question that we need to answer. Like that. Yeah. But, but but you say, well, does love of country mean that I want my country to succeed at the expense of other countries? Well, that would be bad. No, right. That, then it's wrong. That's not good. Not right. Good. Right. So if, so you know the um so you know if you're the godfather, you, me you love that, your grandchildren. Here's the whole point I'm trying to make, Dad. If the godfather hmm. loves his grandchildren and he realizes, oh, you know, if I kill this guy here, my grandchild is going to get a better job, he would totally do that out of love for his grandchildren. But no, no, no. That, that, no I think that's nothing to do with love. <laughs> but then, but what, so what is love? No, that's, that's, yeah, that, that's not the love of my grandchildren. This is my personal gratification. I I am trying to uh, justify no, come on, myself. Come on. I want my grandchildren so, to succeed. It's different from my loving my grandchildren. I love my grandchildren. Ah, they succeed ooh, or not. That's ooh, different. Ooh, I okay, keep telling okay, you, so, the love love good, the love of a grandfather to grandchild is more like the, the love of God to us. Well, so Dad, God was unconditional. Dad, mm, mm. Dad. I, I can live with the fact that you probably love the that the love of grandchildren is qualitatively different than love of a child. Okay. Okay. Mm. But um, you know, it, this is actually a very hard question that I don't know the real answer to. Okay. But I think it's an important no, question to, to be able either. to ask. I'm just going with what I think. But I'm trying to ask this question, and you're resisting my ability to ask. What's your question? My question is, well, when we say love, th th that's a bundle of different things, right? Like you say, when you say, like you talk about the grandfather, well, if he wants his children to succeed, that's not the same as loving them, right? Or loving them for themselves. That's not love. It's a different uh, quality. Love, that's not love. Okay. So, but, it, but, it, but certainly when you love someone, you do want them to flourish, right? Of course, you want you, them. You, you know, right? And what's interesting is that... But you still love uh, them, even if they don't flourish. See? Right. But, this is, but like, so like the I love, said... Love like is the different. Thing, what you're talking about is that the second one is the desire. It's not love. But is it, can you separate so love, love from that desire? Love them. You want them to succeed is what you want. It's what you want. It's not okay. love. So what if it's what they want? Succeed or not? Well, so what, what is love? But like, but does it mean you t you make no efforts on their behalf? Doesn't isn't love what inspires those efforts to help them? 
you're talking about now how does love express itself we are going way off the mark but the, from the, emotion you're going to different thing from the, so, so, sorry. from the quality of love are you, are, 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 of love to sorry. Okay. different ways we okay. express let, let, the expression of and, love and that was and that was precisely my point is that we use the word love as a bundle of many different things of course there's an yeah, emotion right, right. And, right. and so therefore right. i said that so even to say so that you, you you totally buy the fact that love of country is a complex thing that is difficult to tease out the good from the bad. But you really seem to resist my proposal that love for grandchildren is also a complex bundle of things you need to tease apart. I don't want to argue with you, Ernie. We are, some, we are looking at, first of all, we're talking about two different things. Uh, emotion versus, uh, you know, talking about other things that are clouding it. Uh, again, right, the other you. problem is uh, love is, like you said, love is comp- composed of a lot of things. Love of country is totally different from uh, love of a spouse, love to a son, love to a grandson, uh, things like that. So uh, if you use the word love, then you can criticize me. You're wrong because the love of country has uh, got all those things there. And, uh, and, and you, you deny well, whatever you are attributing to my love, like you know, I want my grandchildren to succeed. I want they want I want them to be the best and uh, uh, best quarterback. Whatever it is, yeah. you're considering all of that as a love. Uh, again, that's again it's so, difficult because it's only one word. Right, so, love. So, so, but, but so you are right. So, okay. When you said when you write said. Uh, that way, love uh, is a quality that's not completely all right. But I'm I'm saying you may have to tease it out. When I, when I talked about my love for my grandchildren, that doesn't include all the other things. It's purely an emotion that, that I have. I find. I don't know whether you I get my point I, or I, not. Okay, so you're claiming that your love for is sort of an instinctual emotional response. Is that I'm what you're response. claiming? It's what I feel. Okay, the, 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 this emotion response, you have of love. Okay, so it's just an emotion, right? Yeah. So, but yeah. an emotion. Uh, do you believe emotions are inherently good or evil, or th- or that they just are? They just are. They just are. Right. So, to, to the emotional. Right. But I mean, you can use the same thing, Ernie, by, by, by hate. You know, you can use the yeah. word hate. Uh, you can whatever it is. Yeah. So, right. Anyway, but, well, one could argue. So, but but I think that's actually the point I'm making, Father. Okay. Is that in, from my perspective? Okay. At least okay. allow me to state my perspective. Is that emotions are not intrinsically good or bad; they just are. Now, some emotions uh, tend to, uh, in many contexts, lead to constructive actions. In another context, lead to destructive actions. And to say that like hate or love is always good or always evil is seeming to me to miss the nuance. I mean, even Ecclesiastes. There are, there are, there are certain things that are always evil and there are certain things that are always good, noble. So Such as? Are there. But, but most of them, like you said, you know. Uh, I'm pretty sure, Dad, let me, let me give you my list. The only thing that I am certain of that is always good is love for God. And even there, yeah. it depends a bit on how you define love and how you define God. Right? Anything else, I would say, is a, uh, you know, 
there are certain things which are healthy. Like it is very healthy kindness, to love your grandchildren. Kindness can never be wrong, Ernie. Kindness can never Depends be wrong. Depends how you. What, 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 what do you mean by kindness, Father? That's a good talk for another day, Ma. But, but that's the point, right? There's a long talk. But, but, but here's the thing, Dad, right? Is that this is precisely the conversation I want to have with you. Is that uh, not just at a theoretical level, but at a practical level. Like, I know you love me. I am very grateful for the fact that you love me. I love my wife. I love my children. Okay? Those are all good. They're good in the sense that these are healthy things to have. And it's better to have them than not have them. But what I have discovered in my own life is that just because I think that I love you or think that I love my wife and may yeah. sincerely do so, that doesn't always lead to me doing the right thing. And in some cases, the emotions I feel of love are not easily distinguishable from unhealthy codependency. We talk about this with my dog oh, yeah. all the time, right? And to yeah. say that I have the emotion of love, you know, is emotion by itself, uh, there is, uh, so, you know, the, so if you talk about your emotion of the love you feel towards grandchildren, it's like, well, that seems to me to have similar uh, risks as other types of emotional love. And the question is, and I think this is actually the, the biggest question, which I don't think we get an answer for, and maybe there is no answer. It's that like, well, you know, clearly I think it's safe to say Angelo loves humanity enough to set up, you know, to devote his progeny to this project and, you know, kill off part of himself to further that project. Um, and there's something good and noble in that love, but there's Thank also, you. it seems to me, a fatal flaw in that. Of course. Because of course. that led, and, and so the question I always ask myself, which I would like to be able to ask you as well, I don't know if you're willing to accept the question, is that even in our best loves, is there some fatal flaw that will sabotage it? And is there any cure for that fatal flaw? Jesus. Eh. Yes. And so the question, so you're quick to give me the answer, and I agree with your answer. But See, I'm Ernie, not sure. That's the thing. There is, there is no, I mean, nobody, like we talked, we're going round and round. We always, we agreed. Nobody's 100% good. Nobody's 100% bad. All of us are sinners. We are almost 99.9% .9 sinners. But we do exhibit some good qualities from time to time. And Jesus can change it. Change this, change it. So, Father, what Hello? I have discovered... Yes. yes, are you still there? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what's interesting to me is you answered my second question without answering my first. Okay. Right, I said, what is the flaw in our best qualities and what is the cure for them? And I agree with you that the cure is Jesus. In some sense, the answer no, is easy. Ma, Eddie, Eddie, I think we are going way off the topic. I, I keep telling you, nobody is 100% good, but the people do have good qualities. And it comes from time to time. I will tell you my empirical statement about my own life. You are free to disagree with it if you choose. 
okay, but I have the right to at least say this is my experience, is that what I have found is the times I have gotten into the most trouble have not been my bad qualities that I gave into, but my good qualities that I trusted too much. I agree with that statement. Yeah. So when I say that, like, it is... That doesn't mean good. that's the right thing, right thing, right? But uh, you think about that's that. That's because other people that... judged you. Other people judged you. It was other people's problem. They judged you. So my, that, well, my they father, were wrong. Old, that doesn't mean father, that what you did was wrong. It happens all father, the time, Ernie. Huh. Oh, father, my father. It is certainly true. It is possible to be sinless and have evil components. Now, now you're going to be misjudged. This is different. But, 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 being sinless yeah, is I'm, different. I'm, I was good. Let me finish my sentence because I was going to make the exact point. But in my case, since I am not sinless, that when these situations come, I see that I was not sinless. And that, in fact, my excessive trust in my quote-unquote good qualities. But, so we can say, like, there's sort of a level one goodness. Like, this is a good quality to have in this context. Like, to have an accountant, it's good that they're honest. Like, that's a good quality relative to that context, right? Um, but the at a higher level, those good qualities, if we trust in them too much, can actually lead us into sin. And I so maybe, yeah, so, so let's, let's call it maybe natural. Let's use the term naturally good as opposed to perfectly good. Maybe that's a fair distinction, right? It's a good okay. thing to, to, to love your grandchildren, right? It's a good thing to love your country. It's a good thing to work hard at your job. Those are all sort of naturally but good But when things, it becomes right? an idol, when it becomes an idol, mm -hmm. Not good. Right. When it, when it gets, right. So the, the interesting thing is that, um, so yeah, so the, the things are naturally good. The, um, and, and sort of, uh, what's interesting to me is that we can sort of classify things as sort of naturally good and naturally evil. It's naturally good to want to help people. It's naturally evil to, you know, Be it's, kind it's to good people. to enjoy help. It's, it's, it's naturally good to enjoy helping people. And it's naturally evil to enjoy hurting people. We could agree on that, right? Those are yeah. At the same time, the reality is, and I have this argument with my brother-in-law all the time, is that in a given context, doing the naturally good thing, or the naturally good response could be like overindulging a dog who likes to jump up and eat from the table, for example, right? Exactly. It's a natural desire to want to do the good thing of like, um, you know, giving the dog what he wants. Um, but it's um, that, in fact, uh, hiring a uh, trainer or a personal trainer or whatever who um, um, is willing to do the dirty work, if you will. And this is kind of Angela Negri's argument. Like we, by staying one step out of the human race, we do the dirty work of things that are sort of naturally evil. Um, and, you know, that it is uh, because it's the right thing to do. You know, we, we, we've celebrated soldiers and, you know, leaders who do, uh, you know, things like that. And 
you know, it's a, so I think the issue is that like, okay, so we can agree that like, it's a, but the, you know, the, the thing that is interesting to me about a Godfather character is that in order to function in his job well, he has to have many naturally good qualities. But what makes him a villain no, rather than no, a hero? No, 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 no. He doesn't need the love of his grandchildren to function as a godfather. He doesn't need that. Do so my agree? understanding. So I'm not sure because my understanding. Correct me if I'm wrong. But one of the reasons why the Italian mafia uh, stereotype of organized crime uh, was so powerful was because there is this intense love of family and loyalty to family that overrides lots of these other considerations. That's not the so same as what the, I was talking about. That's not what I was talking about. So you don't see his love for his grandchildren as being intimately connected to his love for his family in general? Maybe, but what I'm talking about... Uh, the, the the love that he feels for his grandson is totally different from all the other stuff you're talking about. You think that, okay, so this you see that as being separable. Nobody's 100% good, nobody's 100% bad. Everybody has some good qualities, everybody has bad qualities. Right, right. And the, everybody the, the, has bad the, motives for uh, so doing certain things. Everybody has good co motives for doing certain uh, things. Dad, let, let, let me, maybe, maybe if we could use the word positive qualities for a negative quality. Because like the word good is precisely okay. what gets me trapped up, right? Okay. It, okay. It, what I feel like you want me to say is that this is, uh, we said like, okay, naturally good. Okay, that's fine. But you know the like, but so that's one thing. It's like I said, I agree that love for general is naturally good. I would also agree that love for family is naturally good, right? But I would say that in fact, you know, one of the horrors of you know the mafia, at least as what I little I know from popular culture, is that love for family is elevated to the status of an idol. Like uh, any where, other, yeah, right, exactly. This is yeah, what yeah, I said right, earlier. Uh, right. So the thing qualities, is that given, right, so, so given that, can become an idol. And what, what is interesting time. to me is that mm. love for grandchildren is, cons is consistent with the idolization of love of family. It may not be required by it, no, no. but it's not surprising to me at all, right? It, it, given that they've made an, an idol out of loving family, it makes love for grandchildren seem not quite so innocent to me. What do you want me to say, Ma? What do you want me to say? That you're right? Or I agree with you? Is that what you want me to say? What I would like you to say, Father, is okay, is that I don't personally see it, but I can understand why you might see it that way. Yeah, that's exactly. This is how I feel. This is what this is not my feeling. I'm not telling you to believe that. I'm just telling you what I feel. This is what I my opinion. I told you I may be totally what off. I may be totally wrong. But, right. So that, you know, I cannot convince you to do that. I'm just telling you this is what I feel. Like the way you said, when you said uh, my bad qualities got me into trouble, I said I agree with you. <laughs> my good qualities. I don't want to problem. change your opinion. I don't want to change your opinion. That's how your <laughs> experience is. That's what it is. And there's no, that's not wrong. That's how you feel. And it's true what you described. 
It's true. But my feeling so father, is totally different. This is how I feel. I feel. I, I, well, okay. So it's interesting. There's how you feel and how you think, which are two slightly different things. Yeah. Um, um, and what's interesting is you didn't actually hear what I said. Of course. The way you I don't were, hear most of, right, the, most of the time. I don't hear so, so, so let me try this one more time just to give us a place okay. to end on. Right? Okay. Is that... And what I'm trying to get to, Dad, is that, okay, you have an emotional reaction to certain things I say, right? Okay. And sometimes that's tied to an intellectual dis disagreement with what I say, right? Okay. Um, and uh, those areas are interesting to me because, as our listeners have probably noticed, you and I occasionally disagree. <laughs> um, but it's actually fairly rare. We agree about a lot of things. Right, we have a shared culture well, heritage, heritage, shared heritage. Let values. Let me stop you there. You intellectually disagree with some of the things I say too. Yes, I know, Father. Okay. And I and I emotionally react. Keep going. And I emotionally react to some of the things you say too. But one yeah, of the reasons right. we're having this conversation about a novel written by a guy who's probably dead by now. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's not writing anymore. Hasn't for quite some time. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So we have is because. These intellectual disagreements and emotional reaction have real-world consequences in terms of the conversations we're able to have about real-life things we care about. And so my hope, and to some extent that hope has been realized, is by having intellectual discussions about an imaginary world and imaginary characters, we can tease apart some of our emotional reactions from our intellectual beliefs so we can look at them. And what, I'm, what I wanted you to say was not just that you give me the right to have my own opinions, which I appreciate and I've always believed you do, but you can say is that, okay, once you explain it that way, like, like for example, once you explain that you're talking about an emotion of love, then say, okay, now I can see what you mean. And I can accept the idea that there are certain sort of naturally good or naturally healthy emotions and responses then in that sense of the word good, I'm okay with. So given that we've defined that word good more, more precisely, yeah. I um, uh, am willing to say, okay, given that I understand that you define things that way, I can see why you would say that. I can agree that that makes sense. Okay, thank you. Okay? And, and the thing that I was hoping for from you, right, is that you would be able to get to a place where you can say, ah, now that I see how you're defining those terms and the context you mean, now I understand why you would say that I could see why that would make sense. Not just that I have a right to have that opinion, but my opinion is not just valid, if you will, uh, but also reasonable in those circumstances. I agree with That's you in general I'm... principles on that. I agree with you that. Okay. There. Yeah. Except that there are certain things that we may not agree. You have your, well, yeah. your you know, uh, yeah, I think you know you, you are entitled to how you feel. You're entitled to uh, what your beliefs are. You're entitled to what your statements are, and uh, but certain things I may not agree with you. Right, but some areas you have to give me the father. you have to give me the uh, freedom to do that. So you have a freedom to disagree with me, of course, Father, and I appreciate that you've given yeah. me the freedom to disagree with you. But at the yeah. same time. I would like to understand why, because sometimes we disagree 
because we have a difference of values, but sometimes we disagree because we have a dif difference of definitions. Right. And one of the things I'm trying to tease out is which is which, right? And it, it, it may be a continuum, frankly, right? Is uh, because See, for you is very important. full of emotion. For, for you, for you is very important why I feel the way I do. To me, it does not matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your personality is different. My personality is different. For you, it's very important why I feel the way I feel. For me, no. You feel that way because you are that way. Mm -hmm. So I accept that. Right. So what? So Otherwise, the reason we won't becomes, be having a conversation, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the reason this becomes interesting is that, um, and the reason things don't make sense. Like I see that you believe X and you say X and you believe it and it's a good thing it's true. I say, okay, I get that. And then you see, you believe why, and you see, believe why, and you say that's true. It's like, yeah, that's fine. But then you say, well, of course, X plus Y equals Z. And I'm like, no, X plus Y equal, you know, or, you know, X plus Y equals four. And I said, no, X plus Y equals two. It's like, doesn't make any sense to me, right? It's like, okay, like I said, you believe these things, but then sometimes they don't seem to add up. And thinking, okay, I believe my father is a reasonable human being. And uh, if he's saying something that doesn't add up, either he's confused or I'm confused. And Ernie, you, know, Ernie, yeah. you heard about this. I am definitely confused. I'm clueless, right? We talked about that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, yeah, but sometimes like that, if we are like trying to buy a car and you say it's worth 2000 I say it's worth 4000 and, you know, then it's like, well, that's a real problem we have to work through. And so I'd rather spend some time trying to sort out the X's and Y's so the next time we have to buy a car together, or there are things that you and I have to make decisions about, Father, or things that I would love to have, help you, have you help me make decisions about. And there's things that, frankly, I feel like you expect from me. There are things that you want from me and want for me. And I value that. I value having your input in my life. I value you, you having uh, uh, visibility into my life so you can speak into that. Uh, I was talking about this with Phil G this last week, and that, you know, I don't really feel like I have a spiritual father the way Timothy had Paul. Yeah. But in the absence of that, I try to collect spiritual uncles. And I said, in some ways, even my own father is like a spiritual uncle to me. He's not really an authority figure uh, the way that I typically envision a spiritual father but I deeply value your perspective and your advice. And the thing that I want most, Father, is for you to be able to see me accurately enough that you can give me useful feedback that will help me grow. That, that is what I, I feel like you have done that in the past, um, and Ernie, I would like you to be I, able to do I, that in I, the future. There are certain, I agree with you in principle, but yes. there are certain aspects of that I, I cannot give you actual feedback i lost you in third grade you say that dad and yet you yeah. still do and i still value it right there are certain and so things what I I'm saying, certain things i cannot certain things right I can, so what i'm not in all things not in all things right so i don't dad, expect you to i don't expect you to do everything and i don't mm. need you to do anything right i am my own man i have my own responsibility for my life i will do what you know i can with what i have right but you yeah. have said to me that you want to help me. 
Right. You love yeah. me. Of course you do, right? And you want to be able to. Yeah. And sometimes, even if you don't want to, you can't help yourself that you do it anyway. <laughs> because that's what love is like, right? And so that's fine. That's the world we're in. And mm. one of the things that is a useful skill that I believe is useful in our own lives as well as in our relationships is this ability to step back and say, well, you talk about this, not the yes or no, but the third way, right? Yeah. That the yep, third yep. way is a lot about being able to step outside yourself and say, wait, I know that I think this and I believe this and I want this and, and I intend to do this, but maybe I should step back and say, why? Do I have a choice? Why do I feel this compulsion to do this? And building that muscle, what uh, you know, some people call mindfulness, is a huge part of how we grow as individuals and improve our relationships. And you know, this is why I talk about like, what is, where do these people go wrong? It's like, okay, if they had stopped and been more mindful, if they'd been willing to reconsider something they took as a given, that might've stopped them from making these, you know, doing these horrific things that ultimately proved out to be unnecessary or fruitless. And, I agree with that statement. Yeah, I agree. You know, and that's why, you know, and that's the reason why I poke and prod you at these things is I say, you know, I understand you feel that strongly, believe that strongly, but can we step back a bit and talk about it? And, you know, the more we can, the uh, richer conversations we can have about things that in the past we would get stuck on. Like, I feel like we are definitely having many layers deeper conversations now in episode, you know, nine or 10 than we did in episode one. Um, Probably, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it's been a good stretching. So, so I was like, like the whole point, like I want to respect that you are what you are. You're coming from where you're coming from, but like you know, this is our experiment in human moral evolution, if you will. Our yeah. the version of, and this is this is in fact actually maybe, uh, if, if we're not anticipating the punchline, is that huh? Maybe the way, maybe where uh, Angelo De Negri's people went wrong is they thought the way to help humanity evolve was to get rid of the ugly past and lock it away where it wouldn't bother them. And maybe it was a good impulse, but the wrong tactic. The way, and this is my now belief, by the way, uh, and maybe it's an answer to this, maybe it isn't, I don't know. I don't even know. If, I'm not saying it's true, I'm saying it's what I believe, is that the way we defeat the evil of the past is not by trying to push it away, but pull it close, bring it out into the light, and let it get disinfected by sunlight. So the whole thing about trying to get rid of your dark shadows and work in the shadows to, to curate humanity, like, it's a noble thing, but, and there's a time and a place where it's very efficient and effective to do that way, but it's a losing game. and and that maybe um, uh, the, the best way to move us forward to become more human and humane and kind and loving is to bring more things into the light rather than push more things away to the back, out of sight. Okay. Um, so we will, uh, again, that's leading into some of my other podcasts, so I won't go into that now, but yeah, right, it, yeah. it is. Yeah, we can, we can um, stop here, I think, and we'll continue next week. Uh, I want to talk about a couple other things. Uh, can we turn off the recording? 
Why don't you just hang up and call me back on my private number? All right? Okay. All right. Okay, Mark. Love you. Okay. Love you, Dad. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.